Well, every good business has to start with a, a germ of an idea. Perhaps it's a hobby that you want to turn into a business. I'm with business attorney Brian King. I'm Neil Gordon with Augusta Business Daily. How are you today? Doing well, thanks. So I'm really curious because I know you help a lot of companies set up and form their companies. I'm wondering if 10 people come to you, how many actually have a business plan in hand? Well, that's right. I've formed a lot of companies over the years and helped a lot of businesses. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, sometimes some uh, a potential client will come to me and, and they don't have a good idea. But what I help the uh, clients to do is vet their ideas. And I go through with them, we kind of run through different cash flow analysis and talk about how they're going to earn revenue, how they're going to um, cover their expenses and keep that cash flow going. Because as, as you know, cash flow is king when it comes to businesses, you've got to have enough money coming in to pay your bills and operate. And then also to, you know, just keep things going. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you helped with the formation of a partnership with uh, Larry Rudwick, my business partner, and also my cousin. And the words pro forma came out, came mm. up a lot with me and him. And uh, how and explain what that is and how far out do you need to be planning? Well, usually you want to project out, you know, three to five years at, mm-hmm. at, at minimum because, you know, you you want to kind of try to anticipate what's going to happen in those first key years. Um, a lot of businesses fail in the first year, and then a lot of the ones that survive fail in the second year. So, But if you can make it past that first couple of years, you're usually going to do okay. Um, but, you know, and then you want to have a long-term plan as well as to what, what, what are you – What's your goal? Is it to, um, you know, make a living throughout some years or is it to turn around and sell the business and move on to something else? So I have some people that come to me and they say, oh, I've got this great idea and, you know, they want to run it for a while and then they want to sell out. And, uh, you know, and that's fine, too. So absolutely. And so they'll come to you as a business attorney. But who else do you advise that they should see? Well, it's, I look at it as a team uh, approach. So you really should have, you know, a good business attorney, a good accountant, a uh, good uh, insurance uh, broker that's going to help mm-hmm. you find the right coverages, um, a financial planner to deal with your retirement and all that, because, you know, you don't want to work the rest of your life. You want to <laughs> save some money for retirement. Hawaii so. awaits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, but those are, those are your main uh, mm-hmm. uh, advisors that you want to have on your team. Wow. Have you ever sat down around a big table with several of them and a client? I have. I have. Um, usually what usually what I'll do is I'll meet with the client and then I'll call the accountant and mm-hmm. keep them up to speed and make sure that we're on the same page with things and uh, make sure they haven't filed anything that, that I don't know about, you know, because sometimes a client doesn't really know what their accountant has done on their, uh, on their returns and how they're filing their taxes. So, um, you know, another one I forgot to mention was, was bankers too, because it, and what I usually recommend is to work with a local banker, because if you need to borrow funds for your business, you want to expand, you know, you want to buy equipment and that sort of thing. You can, uh, work with a local banker to, to, uh, get those funds to be able to grow your business. So, and have you done referrals? I mean, over 20 years, have you been able to learn maybe who some of the better partners may be? And oh, do, yeah. do you help refer? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with several accountants, several bankers, several, you know, insurance brokers, all that um, uh, over the years. And so I, I have a 
good idea of, you know, who does good work and, and I try to, you know, steer my clients in the right direction. Oh, that's outstanding. Again, we're speaking with uh, Brian King and his website is up on the screen. He is a business attorney with offices in both Augusta as well as Atlanta. And you mentioned partnering with some other advisors. I've heard that at the very beginning, sometimes does a CPA and a business attorney actually work together to form the company? Well, typically, the, there are some times when an accountant will form uh, a business for a client, and then they come to me, and then I will then prepare all the documentation that they really need. Um, mm-hmm. the, the accountant's job is not not typically to form companies or to draft those organizational documents. Um, but sometimes they will, like if they're, you know, let's say the client comes to them at the very end of the year and they're trying to get something done and whatever. But most of the time the uh, accountant will, will refer them to me and then I'll form sure. the uh, entity and advise them about that and draft those documents. And then I'll send a copy of those to the mm-hmm. accountant so they're on the same page. Well, you've heard the expression, what's in a name? <laughs> How does that work with companies as well? Well, it's it's very important. I mean, uh, you know, with the name of your company is going to carry with you for, for years and years, hopefully. And just like your your own name, you know, is, is very important. You want to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, protect your name and your reputation. And same thing with your business. So, you know, choosing a name is very important. You want to choose something that's marketable, you know, generally. So um, if you know, something that describes what your business does or tell, tells the public, you know, what, what it is that you're, you're doing is, is very good. I mean, you've got some examples in, in the market right now, you know, with, uh, you know, like Apple computers, right? So Apple doesn't really tell you anything about what they do. It's a great trademark, right? right? But it's a great trademark, but they've spent lots and lots of money in getting that, that trademark known, you know, Mm -hmm. they've, um, and so, uh, most of the time, you know, we don't have millions of dollars to spend on marketing and advertising and stuff like that. So it's better to pick something, you know, most of the time it's better to pick something that's, that sort of, uh, uh, describes what you do now. Um, you know, it's those, those, uh, names like Apple, like, like you said, they're great trademarks. And, and if you can get a, a name that is, um, uh, that, that has, has its own, uh, value to it, you know, over mm-hmm. time, then that's, that's awesome. Um, and you know, sometimes a business may start out with one name and then they may drop parts of it, you know, and keep, keep something sure. that's, that can be more unique and, and more, a little bit easier to, to trademark and that sort of yeah. thing. So. And, and, you know, you mentioned partnering with different kinds of professionals. Sometimes, marketing companies step in and they can help with logos and brand development. And I didn't have a lot of money. And so I was changing a tire with my Fred friend, Chad Trollinger. And I told him what we were doing. I mm-hmm. said, yeah, we put out business news every day. He said, well, why don't you call it Augusta business daily sold. <laughs> it sort of says what it is sure, sure, you know, exactly. to, your, to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you uh, either copyright, or trademark for companies. I, I do file trademarks, uh, federal trademarks for my clients, and when when it's when it makes sense. So um, it basically, what the federal trademark will give you is uh, pr- protection all across the country for your your mark, your your name of your company, or your logo. Uh, each of those would be a separate uh, mark to to be um, uh, trademark with the with the federal government. So um, the uh, the each trademark, there's a certain class that we file under, you know, so Mm -hmm. if it's clothing, for example, you know, um, 
but you know, some businesses may do more than one thing and we may have to file under multiple classes. So Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense indeed. Uh, And once again, uh, the website to reach Brian, if you're thinking about turning your hobby into a business or you really want to formalize things and do things right on the front end so you don't have trouble down the road, his website um, is business law business business attorney business attorney law.com okay which is by the way a brilliant name to have as a as a website uh we're going to take a short break and just out of curiosity are you the type of business person that sets your resolutions for the new year have you thought about what 2022 may bring um well just i mean i'm always trying to you know get more clients and help more clients and and you know uh my my biggest resolution each year is just to help my clients be successful because if they're successful, I'm successful. If they, if they grow their business and they keep, you know, they're going to keep calling me for things. And, yeah. And so. Well, so, yeah. that sounds actually like a great testimonial. Uh, the folks here who um, allow us to be in their studio, Augusta Podcast, is doing something really neat for the new year. They're allowing business people uh, to come in and actually share what their new year's resolutions are. Okay. And then they are going to give them the content that they can just put out there and just sort of monitor how it goes. So their website is augustapodcasts.com and there'll be a link at the top there on the nav bar for new year's resolutions. Well, we want to welcome back into the program, Brian King, a business attorney with offices in both Augusta and Atlanta. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So you do a little of the, that I-20 commute sometimes, huh? Yeah, sometimes, basically. <laughs> yeah, just go there to meet with clients. So Yeah, well, in, in our uh, previous segment, we talked about how to take an idea and to kind of get everything formalized and learn about cash flow and the kinds of advisors that you should have. And of course, um, our government has some mandates in terms of what you have to do to be legal. And so what are some other things that clients should think about? Well, you need a, a business license to run your business. And so you want to get a business license in the, in the county where your, where your business is located. So, um, you know, um, another thing that comes up a lot of times is uh, if they're, let's say you're in, you've got a business in Georgia and you want to operate in South Carolina or you want to transact business in South Carolina. So what I'll do is I'll file a certificate of authority to do business in South Carolina for those Mm -hmm. businesses. Um, And that'll be where, you know, where the person, where the, the business in Georgia is going into South Carolina going into the state to serve clients. Um, that's where they would need that certificate of authority. If, if say people in North Augusta are coming over to Augusta to, uh, to meet that business there, then they yeah. wouldn't need the certificate of authority in South Carolina. Now, legally, what if you're not licensed? What happens? <laughs> <clears throat> well, you could be fined. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, that's typically what happens. So it's just business licenses that are licenses are generally a money raiser for the community that they're in. So, um, so if you, you know, you call the, if, if any business called the, uh, uh, business license department and say, you know, Augusta or wherever they're going to say, yeah, you need a business license. And uh, most of the time you do need one. I mean, now if you're, there are certain things like if you're just holding real estate, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're not, not leasing it out or anything, you're just holding real estate. That's not considered uh, a business where you would actually need one, but but most of the time you're going to need that business license. Okay. Another thing that uh, tends to be 
critically important, and I guess sometimes something you just have to do is to insure your business. Why don't we kind of run through the different kinds of insurances and kind of the must-haves and sure. maybe some that, you know, you don't necessarily have to Well, have. sure. So um, I typically recommend that clients get a commercial general liability policy for their businesses, and that, and those those are going to be what, exactly what it sounds like. It's a general policy that's going to cover most of the things that happen in your business. Now, I would recommend, you know, you talk to your insurance broker and have them uh, search for a policy that's going to fit your particular business because they can be uh, different. There's particular endorsements that could be on the policy and particular exclusions that could be there. So you want to make sure that what you're what you think you're getting is actually uh, actually covered. Um, so just having that relationship with your insurance broker is going to be key there. So. Now, would that you know, so if someone owns a building let's say, and they have customers coming on there. Mm -hmm. Is that the type of insurance that protects them? Yeah. So you would, yeah, a premises liability policy would be okay. what you would want to, so it's going to cover slip and falls. You know, anybody gets hurt on the property, you, you know, you have invitees that you're inviting onto your premises. And so you want to make sure that you're protected. Um, you know, uh, you know, what I usually recommend as well is that you have the, if you, if you do own the property is to mm -hmm. own it in a, in a separate LLC. Um, now a lot of times people are just leasing the property from their landlord and right. so they don't have that option. But. Sure. Um, and then I'm wondering what are the rules and regulations for you to have workers compensation? I mean, cause it's for your employees. Right. Right. So you, you have to have workers comp if you, so in Georgia, if you have more than, uh, three, uh, uh, workers for you, then does then you that have include to, yourself? It, it can include yourself, but you can also uh, file a form with the um, with the government that would exempt you from from needing it. So if you are so so the owner doesn't actually have to take it. Okay. Um, so um, with the uh, workers comp, it's if you think about it, it's actually a pretty good uh, protection for you. So if you have your workers on on workers comp, they they get hurt on the job, they they're going to get that what the workers comp, uh, provides for them, mm -hmm. but it keeps you protected in the way that if they were to sue you for $20 million, they're only going to get what the workers comp, uh, hmm. coverage provides. Right. So it, it does protect you yeah. as well. I ask because we're bringing on a third person, including me. So <laughs> that's real life for me. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll be speaking with my partner about that as well. Um, both of the two employees that I have or will have used their vehicle, one mm -hmm. to make sales calls and another one is, you know, writing stories. Mm -hmm. uh, do I need to provide some kind of coverage for them? <clears throat> well, you may because you want to talk with your uh, insurance agent, but if you want to make sure that you do have coverage when they are doing, uh, when they're driving for the business. Um, so you need to inform okay. the insurance, uh, agent that yes, my employees will be driving their vehicles in, in service of my company. And because the, the way that, uh, insurance, uh, companies usually work is they're looking for ways not to cover you. Mm -hmm. So you want to, you have to have it specifically covered, uh, to be able to have that have the right covers that you need. So yes, yeah, so you would want to inform your insurance agent that you are going to have your employees driving their own vehicles and then, and then have that added to your policy. Obviously, Brian's bark is worse than his bike. <laughs> what in the name is that? Yeah. Someone brought their Akita in today. Uh, 
This is why I'm sniffing so much. I'm allergic. Oh gosh, mm. we were on a roll. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing great. Um, <laughs> let's do you want see. me to pause it and play back what you were saying, or do you think you can keep going? Oh, um, we were talking about was we automobile, the, right? Yeah, automobile insurance. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, let's see here. We got, and then the last two we'll yeah. do. But did did do, were, you were still talking <coughs> about it, right? What else were you? Wanting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was pretty much done with that one. I mean, we can. Um, uh, do you want to maybe make one more statement, if this is okay, sure. David, to this camera, and then I'll, yeah. we'll come out on a two shot, and I'll go into the next question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whenever, you, if there's just okay. one line you want to remind All right. the person. All right. All right. So talk to your insurance agent about your the coverage for your employees if they're going to be driving vehicles or their own vehicles or your vehicles uh, in service of the company. Now, umbrella policies are another consideration. First of all, can you define what that is? Yeah, I mean, well, an umbrella policy is just a, a policy that covers, it sort of overarches your, your underlying policy. So okay. let's say your policy limits on your on your commercial general liability policy are, say, a million dollars. You might get an umbrella policy that's going to cover up to $10 million, and it's going to cover from $1 million to $10 million. Right. Oh, that's uh, that's fascinating. And uh, the last part of insurance that you may not think about if you're in business is is life insurance. Now, in my situation with Augusta Business Daily and my partner, Larry, we've decided that if something happens to him or me, our wives mm -hmm. would be part of it. But I could see the benefit of having some kind of coverage too. Right, right. So in in most of my agreements with multi-member LLCs, so we've yeah. got multiple partners, uh, the life insurance is is good if, let's say, one person dies and I have buy-sell provisions in my agreements. And so, like, for example, let's say one person dies, then uh, if you would want to buy out that that person, so you'd want to pay their estate the for their for their interest in the business, but maybe the money is not there to pay it. Maybe the business hasn't gotten to the point where it has the money to buy that person out. Yeah. So, but you can use life insurance as funding for that. So the, say the company, uh, receives the proceeds from the policy after the person dies, or sometimes you can have the, um, the cross purchase where let's say there's, let's say there's two, um, uh, business owners where maybe the other business owner gets the proceeds from the policy and then uses that to, yeah. to buy out the other. All right. Throw you a little, little curveball. You've been doing this for 20 years mm -hmm. and I, I can't even imagine probably hundreds <coughs> of partnerships. Has anything ever gone wrong where there was not something like this in place and sort of what's the fallout if you don't protect yourself well there's well there's yeah i mean i've dealt with a lot of different uh partnership disputes and um a lot of different issues that happen with partners uh over time i mean and it's it can really just vary from lots of different kind of scenarios um one of which would be the you know not having enough money to, money to purchase the other mm -hmm. side out and um and sometimes the, the the business can uh could could fail you know if it doesn't have the appropriate funding and all. So it, it is important to get those. Um, a lot of times, you know, you'll have, say, someone who is, is provided the funding for the business and then somebody else who's doing most of the work. 
And right. at the very beginning, it all seems great, you know, and the, the person who's doing the, all the work, he's very thankful to have the, the money to do what he wants to do. But then later on, I say five years go by and he's like, well, I'm doing all the work. I, I, why should I be giving part of my money to this other gotcha. person? Right. Sure. And so they get into a dispute, but now sometimes what the, the resolution of that is to, to buy the other person out, you know, and, uh, and that sort of thing. But, sure. um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, I've seen a lot of you know, good friends who, right. who become worst enemies over a business because it's like their baby, you know, they, it's almost like a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what they yeah. say about uh, fighting you, over the, sometimes yeah. your work wife or husband, you spend more time with mm-hmm. them, right. Right. Than, than your real yes. spouse. So right. I totally understand mm-hmm. uh, what you mean. Well, Brian's been through this a lot over the last few decades and, um, his website is businessattorneylaw.com, and he has a lot of resources for you. You can get in touch with him. He serves clients in Augusta as well as in Atlanta. And both Brian and I are, are so proud to be associated with Augusta Podcast. Their website is augustapodcast.com. You can look at some other podcasts. And, heck, maybe you want to use this as a way to market your business. Uh, get in touch with David or Chris, first-class people, and they're really on to something and we're pleased to be part of the process. So happy to be back uh, with my friend and business attorney, Brian King of businessattorneylaw.com. How are you, Brian? I'm good. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, what do they say? Uh, death and taxes, right? It's uh, a <laughs> right, right. <laughs> mandatory, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different taxes and mm-hmm. implications. And I know you're not you're not a CPA, right. but still, right. you you do, do don't you kind of cross yeah, over in I a do, way? I do advise businesses about their tax obligations and what things they need to look look out for. That's right. Yeah. Well, let, why don't we take them one at a time? You know, I think of you know we've just as we're recording just passed the holiday season, and I went in and I got gifts, and ding, eight percent. Right. Sales right. tax. Of course. Yeah. yeah. What are the rules about companies paying sales tax? Yeah, well, generally, um, products are going to be subject to sales mm-hmm. tax. So if you're selling a product in your business, you're going to have to collect the sales tax from the consumer, and then you remit the, the sales tax to the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, services you. are generally exempt. So like professional services like mine, I don't have to collect sales tax. Makes sense, indeed. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have employees, mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked before about the difference between employees and sure. contractors. And I guess um, there's a benefit to having the contractor because then there's there's no withholding. That's right. Yes, that's right. So all your employees, you have to withhold uh, the taxes and then remit those to the government um, on a monthly basis uh, for for all your employees. But for independent contractors, you don't have to withhold from their pay. The, the independent contractors are responsible for uh, paying their own estimated taxes sure. um, themselves. I'm trying to remember. I know it was kind of an odd percentage. Is it like seven point something or eight? Yes, seven point six five percent would okay. be the the so the portion that the employer pays for the employee um, in terms of you know takes basically takes out of their uh, paycheck and pays that to the government. And like if you're an uh, independent contractor, you're self-employed, so you're going to um, 
you're going to pay that 15.3%, so it's two times the 7.65, right. um, to the government as your self-employment tax. So if you're an employee, then, of <clears> course, <throat> you'd pay 7.65, and me as the employer right, would right. be the same. And right. while we're on this topic, I know we've covered it before, but just the sort of the, the brief sketch of it, what, what makes you an employee? What makes you a contractor? Well, it's generally the amount of control over the employee or the person working. Um, if the uh, there's like several different factors, but generally, if if the employer or the business is providing tools, they're providing the hours that they're going to be working. They're telling them how to do the work and all that. Then they're more like an employee versus if they're you know you're hiring, say like a, I don't know. A, uh, a plumber or something you say okay plumber i need this fix and you just let mm-hmm. them come in and fix it then they're it's more like an independent contractor sure so. uh, the other part of the taxes with the paycheck unemployment taxes mm-hmm. and is that another odd number three point something or other i don't remember what the percentage or, or is do, or but, can it vary well uh, so your unemployment costs like you're gonna um you're gonna pay unemployment um you take out unemployment for your employees and mm-hmm. um and if the if you let that you terminate that employee in the future um they can if they've worked for a certain amount of time and they've made mm-hmm. a certain amount of money then they can file for unemployment benefits if if they are let go for say a reason such as um there was lack of work you know right. and a lot of people file for unemployment during the whole covid sure. uh, uh, scenario so um but you know, it's, it, it is something that you have to pay as a business and it's, it's sort of like, it's almost like insurance, right? I mean, it's, 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 you're, um, providing, uh, a, a benefit to your employees that, that you're required to provide. Um, but it, it, it also is a, sort of a good thing for the businesses as well. Um, you know, you can let someone go if you need to mm-hmm. and, know that they're still going to have some money coming in if they can file for unemployment. But like, let's say if there's someone though, that you, you fire for embezzlement or something sure. bad, they're not going to be able to qualify for unemployment. And you'll, you know, you'll put on your separation notice, the reason for termination. And, um, when they go to apply, if they go to apply for unemployment, they're not going to be able to get those unemployment benefits. And I know sometimes employers and employees, uh, challenge each other. I mean, they, right. they can actually, they could actually be a hearing. Is that right? That's right. So usually the hearing is by telephone. Um, okay. so first the employee would, would apply for unemployment. They, then the government then notifies the employer that, Hey, an employee has filed, um, you know, they ask for a response and then the employer can say whether they want to challenge that or not. If they do say they want to challenge that, then they'll set a hearing. And, um, then on the hearing, they'll ask both parties, the government will ask both parties, um, what their side of it is. And then they'll make a determination as to whether that employee gets unemployment or in coverage or not. I'm just wondering if an employer challenges an employee's right to file for unemployment and, the employer loses. Is there like a reevaluation of what that rate is or does that not matter? It, the rate would go up if they had, you know, so the more people that are, mm-hmm. that take unemployment a, after a, a termination, the higher your rate is going to be. So yeah, you don't want to have a lot of 
layoffs where you're going to have a lot of people file sure. for unemployment or it could raise your, your rates. Um, but as I said, if you, your business has got to come first and you got to make the right decision about your business and whether you can keep that person on or not. Um, you know, and sometimes if, if you have to cut costs, that may be the, the lesser evil there just to yeah. let that person go and let them file unemployment. Makes perfect sense. Um, the other part of, of taxes, you know, we think about owning homes and you pay monthly or annual property taxes. Mm-hmm. How does that transition over to business? So in business, so if you own uh, real estate, you're going to pay real mm-hmm. property taxes on mm-hmm. the on the building that you that you have. Um, also, you're going to pay uh, property taxes, so real uh, personal property taxes. If you have you know a desk or chairs and computers and and other things that you work with in your business, um, you'll file a, a annual return for your personal property taxes as well. I have paid that now that I think about it, and boy, it's almost a de incentive to have a bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> right That's why right, a lot of right. people work virtually. Yeah. And, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Because yeah. that adds up. It right? does. It does. <laughs> and over, over time, the, the, the um, stuff will depreciate. Okay. Um, and so you'll be able to, you know, pay less, but then you also could accumulate more assets. And so yeah. you know, it's going to go back up. So Uncle Sam <laughs> making a killing. I swear. <laughs> Brian uh, King, business attorney in Augusta and Atlanta, and um, I couldn't recommend him more. Um, please go, as you can see up on the screen, to businessattorneylaw.com. Brian, uh, happy new year to you and happy continued uh, success in 2022. Thank you. You're welcome.